0: This is the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles.
1: Well, that game was a debacle, Greg. We'll get into it in just a minute, but I want to remind people, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It is the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles, episode 30, and we're brought to you by betonline.ag. Greg, you had the chance to look at the Rams-Patriots film. I'm guessing it was like a murder scene. What would you say? (laughs)
0: Yeah, you know, it It wasn't good, Nick. Um, I thought that, look, I thought this game really came down to, well, a couple different things. Um, I don't think the Patriots were really ready to play. I don't know what they were doing in L.A. You know, I think last week we talked about, oh, you know, the Patriots actually have an advantage here because they're going to be in L.A. already. It's not a normal Thursday night game where... You know, you have to travel someplace and now Patriots finished on Sunday, got to kick up their feet in the hotel, the same hotel for like five days and, you know, enjoy the LA weather and all that. And we figured that would be an advantage because the Rams had to play at Arizona on Sunday. Right. And it just wasn't that they weren't ready to play from the jump on either side of the ball. Uh, especially on defense, and but I think to me the big thing with this game is, is it came down to uh, the red zone failures. They were 0 for 4 on on, on in the red zone, uh, including Bill Belichick's decision the first time around not to kick the field goal and and to go for it, which I didn't I didn't hate, but I didn't necessarily agree with. I just wanted to I wanted to get off to a good start, um, and then defensively they were just really slow to make adjustments and to me watching the game back to me I wondered if playing the younger kids sort of affected almost sort of hamstrung the Patriots in terms of what they could do because look one of the big themes in this game was Sean McVay learned a lot from that Super Bowl not that it was it wasn't revenge or anything or it wasn't uh you know he took that game and he and, and he learned schematically what the Patriots want to do and things like that. It wasn't that. It was just, I think McVay learned that you can't just come into a game against the Patriots and just do what you always do. Yeah. Like you, you need to be, you need to have your own off speed pitches to be able to throw at the Patriots. Cause they're going to know everything. They're going to know all your pitches and they're going to have them defended and they're going to know how to slice and dice you, which Belichick did in the super bowl. But this time around, McVay had a lot of curve balls, whether it was coming out in the two tight ends, which really screwed up the Patriots. They went away from their normal 11 personnel. They went with more 12 personnel and not only 12 personnel, but they would put two on the end of the line. Then they had had two tight ends on one side and the Patriots just were not prepared for that. They did not line up correctly. To me, uh, that made me wonder whether, you know, having Anthony Jennings and having Kyle Duggar in a safety role, not a, Not the third down safety role, but as the starting safety role. uh, Did that affect that effect adjusted? Because it looked like, especially just for example, against the running game, normally the way the Patriots were lined up, I'm like, how come they're not checking? And how come they're not rotating the safeties? And they're not rotating the linebackers. Tell there's double tight ends on this side of the field. And it, it just. It work and and it was just it was just really bad night in LA
1: yeah I mean a couple of things the red zone woes I, I do think some of that criticism should be on Josh McDaniels I mean I, there was the one red zone opportunity when it was first and goal they ran four times they gave the football to Damian Harris once which I think is inexcusable and I know you could you know you could come back and push back on that and say well the fourth down call could have been a pitch play to Harris, which I don't necessarily love either. Like when we watch this team, they are more successful running Harris in between the tackles than they are outside. And I just thought if you're going to run the ball four times on first and goal, you've got to give it to your best offensive player, at least twice, if not three times. And and the shotgun with cam running straight up the gut didn't work. And you went to it a second time. That didn't make much sense to me. I agree with you as far as, you know, not kicking the field goal. I didn't think it was the worst decision in the world, but I felt like you needed to get some points there. And especially the way the defense ended up playing, every little point would have mattered. Uh, Defensively, I thought McVay outcoached the Patriots big time. And it goes back to what you said about the two tight end sets. What I've seen a lot from the Rams, and I've seen them play at least five or six times this year, when you watch LA play, they depend on two things heavily three wide receiver sets, and also, um, you know, the zone stretch kind of run plays, the outside zone scheme, all that kind of stuff, they didn't run a lot of that. I mean, th- this was two tight ends. We're going to run it down your throat, and it seemed to me that McVay, when he watched the film, he knew the Patriots were light up front in that front seven. He knew they could take advantage of it, and one thing that jumped out, Greg, watching this game was the ability of the Rams' wide receivers, not just tight ends, but especially wide receivers like Robert Woods, being able to block guys up front to create those running lanes. And it was a full-throttle effort from the front of the Rams. And I thought in, in long stretches of this football game, they dominated the Patriots in the trenches, and they also dominated them at the second level with their wide receivers and tight ends.
0: Yeah, I think that I think that that's all fair. Um, you know the red zone stuff with the Patriots that one drive. Um, you know I don't know the particulars that went on. I know that Harris was used a lot in that drive for a while, and you know it was a Harris carry, and then it was Michelle. I mean I don't know if that's Ivan fears saying you know I need to rotate out Harris or what have you. Um, I don't really remember the third down run by Cam. I know it was up the middle, but look, the one on the the one on the goal line. Um I you know I didn't I didn't love the play. I didn't hate it either. I mean from from the aspect of six plays earlier the Patriots ran the exact same play to the right side and Mike Onwenu blocked it correctly and Cam got 4 yards. And then they come down and they run it to the left side and Jermaine Illuminor completely runs it wrong. Doesn't block. He blocks down on the on the end instead of going up to the linebacker. Well, let me ask. You this, really, one second.
1: I, I want to ask. you, I, I hate to cut you off, but I, I want to yeah. make sure that because I'm uh, I'm thinking of a question right now. I want to ask it now before I forget it. Okay. So when you say something like that, because I know you've you've talked about where you know being with Houston that time and and watching how the mm-hmm. offensive process works and all that. Should McDaniel's is that on McDaniel's? You know, saying to himself. If we run this to the left side, we've got Illuminor out there. And I know Illuminor has been pretty decent on the right side, but is that on McDaniels? Is he asking Illuminor to do something that, yeah, you might hope that he knows what to do, but now you're putting a little bit of extra responsibility on him versus a guy like Anwenu, who's been steady and, and really good all year long?
0: No. I mean, look, no. Jermaine Illuminor, I, I understand your point. Jermaine Illuminor is a veteran in the league, he's actually played really good football for this team most right. of this year. Not exactly on the left side, but like, look, the, the Patriots, you know, they put their game plan together. They know who who's going to play all week. And, you know, what they were asked to do, I mean, even Joe Tooney, there were times, look, if, if if this was a consistent, look, Illuminor had issues in this game. I mean, yeah. from the first game, first play of the second half, where everybody else is blocking down to the right and Illuminor is blocking out to the left and Brockers just goes and, and hits <laughs> Newton. Um, and Joe Tooney's looking at Illuminar after the play like, dude, what the hell's wrong? I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe Illuminor, whatever works on the right side, does not work for the left side for him. I don't know if he's dyslexic or what it is, but there, there could be some sort of it, – it's not easy to flip sides. So yeah. your point is valid, but they, they repped it. Um, I'm pretty sure he played there on Sunday. So, and he wasn't a big issue in that game, but look on that play, Illuminor's uncovered and Tooney like looks at him. Like there's some sort of call being made before the play and somebody has to get that linebacker. And if somebody that's Illuminor's job. Uh, when who did it on the earlier play he knows he's uncovered you go straight to the second level linebacker you pick him off and suddenly cam's just reading the edge guy it's cam it's cam versus the edge guy and Harris really shouldn't have anybody on him that's the linebacker that te- that that was out there is the one that Illumina was supposed to block but look the a, a play caller has so many things on their mind in terms of preparation, I mean, thinking about outside of, do I want to throw the ball to this guy? You can't really you can't really micromanage the game to that level. Jermaine Illuminar is a guy they traded for. He's been in the league many years. He's played good football for this team. That was not a, a highly difficult play for him to execute, right. and he completely right. effed it up.
1: Yeah, I was just wondering, like, when you're looking at – certain pieces up front do you change the way you're going to call the game if you don't have as much confidence in the guy it was my was my question to you like that's my ultimate question and you're saying no they've got confidence in Illuminor he's playing out there they they started him on the left side so he's just got to make the play uh defensively also, hang
0: on Nick one more thing on that play yep and and, and Cam this goes to this goes to Cam's awareness, and also, by the way, Cam did not play well in this game again. Even the passes he completed in this game were not accurately thrown. Uh, some of them were fine. You know, he found some voids in the in the zone when guys were wide open. And he made, I think, I had him for two plus plays, but like that play right there is another example of Newton being very limited in terms of his, uh, his his intangibles with the game his football IQ in, in that, you know, when that play happens and when Cam Newton, he should be advanced enough to say, you know what, Illuminor, somebody just effed up the play because they're not supposed to double that guy. Now the linebacker is not taken care of. At that point, Cam should have said, you know what, I got to get rid of the ball. I got Like, this is all effed up, I can't do – like, instead, he just shut down and went into the line and got, and got tackled where, and this is similar almost to the Seattle play. Cause remember, uh when it was on, he was playing tight end, the sixth tight end on that play yep. when they ran that play and he didn't block it right. And Cam, instead of saying, he's like, I should have bounced it outside. This is the same sort of play. Instead of bouncing it outside, the play would have been, I just should have given it to Harris. It would have been Harris versus the linebacker in space. I like that. But, again, that's Cam, whether it's pressure in the pocket or a free blitzer, just being slow to adjust what's going on on the field, and that's been a problem this year.
1: All right, so I've got to ask a question about Cam because I I want to know what we're watching here. Uh, (laughs) And what I mean by that is this is somebody who was considered – throughout his entire NFL career to be a top 10 to 12 quarterback. He was never great from the pocket. He was never super accurate, but he was not a dumpster fire. So what's happening is, is it, he's just fallen off a cliff at age 31, which doesn't necessarily happen very often, if at all at the quarterback position where a guy just, you know, goes from a top 10 to 12 guy to just plummeting to literally one of the, you know, five to seven worst quarterbacks in the league this year. Is it physical with him? Jay Glazer said before the game. And Glazer usually has some really good information. You know, he kind of keeps a lot of the stuff in his pocket. But when he drops stuff, it's usually dropping a bomb. Unless it's you know teasing twenty four hours out an offensive lineman with COVID. That's another story. But y- you know, you've got you've got Glazer coming out saying he's in an awful lot of pain. Is it is it that like what I I, I just. There needs to be a reason, Greg. There needs to be a reason why I saw Cam Newton for eight to nine years in Carolina. Again, not be super accelerated with a program and and not be you know incredible breaking defenses down, but still effective. And now this guy is completely, completely a mess. It, it, yep. I'm just trying to make sense of it. Is it is it well, mental? Is it physical? Did he fall off a cliff? Is is this what he is like? Are the Patriots not necessarily? utilizing him in a manner like Carolina did, which would make him more effective. I want to get to the bottom of it. Cause I feel like what a lot of people are doing right now. And it's, it's listen, it's justified, criticize him all you want. He's been bad, but I feel like we're more criticizing the result instead of asking why, like what has gone wrong. Is, is this just the inevitable deterioration of a guy who took a lot of hits and is now what he is. I, I don't know what the answer is.
0: Yeah. Well, th- here's my answer it's a lot of little things that have sort of added up and gotten us to this point, because I think, you know, really, I mean, really in the past month he's been bad. And before that you would say he was average or a little bit above average, but I think on the whole this season, I would say Cam Newton is average. Number one, as far as factors with Newton and why he's not better, why it's not working here. Number one for me is he's no longer, he doesn't have the legs he used to have. Um, he he is no longer. He's fine. He's still elusive, but he's an aging mobile quarterback, and that doesn't really work. And that's always been part of the equation with Cam going back to Auburn yeah. when he won the Heisman Trophy. You can it, it, teams had to respect his legs. They realize they no longer have to respect his legs because he's not going to just dominate a game with his legs anymore. He doesn't have that ability. So instead of Instead of being afraid of Cam and and being like we have to have eyes on Cam and we have to do this and that, they're no and playing zone, really soft zone. Uh, they're no longer they they realize they no longer have to do that. So you know they're just stacking the box and they'll play cover three on the outside or man to man or what have you. They they do whatever they want to do coverage wise because they know Cam's not going to beat them. I mean, at most, what's he going to get? Ten fifteen yards. Like he's not going to change the game. Number two. Is the Patriots just distinct lack of weapons, and we'll talk about this more in a little bit. But I mean, look, the Patriots are goddamn horrible at, at <laughs> everywhere other than running back and in, in offensive line. I mean, they are. They're hor- I mean, they're awful. They are awful. They're awful in this division. They're at the bottom of the barrel in this division, below the Jets, below the Dolphins, certainly below the Bills. I mean, they're just. It's falling off a cliff. I mean, they have nothing. They have no tight ends. They have no wide receivers. They they have running backs. Yeah, they have a great offensive line. Yeah, but it's only going to get you so placed. So, so it's all on Cam. Like when you when when you take away Cam, if if Cam had better weapons, if he was say the Bills. I mean, if he had Stephon Diggs and Cole Beasley and John Brown and like you know Gabriel Davis and Dawson Knox and you know all these guys all over the place where you can spread them out and they got to be like, oh, crap, well, we got to double digs because what's going to happen? Like, then then Cam might be able to do some things. Like, between his legs and the lack of weapons, there's just – the Patriots are just – they're in a telephone booth. They can't – the quarterback can't do anything. The offensive coordinator can't do anything. Like, to me, you combine all those things, plus there's probably some residual shoulder stuff with Cam. You combine all those things. Yeah, and you're right. It's terrible. It's not good in offense right now.
1: All right. I've got another question about Cam, but before we get into that, yep. I want you to tell us about betonline.ag.
0: Yeah, Nick, uh, NFL football continues on this week, which has a few surprise teams at the top of the standings, and you might not be at the, at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at betonline.ag. No matter how schedules change or players that play, BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every game this season with the fastest updated odds in the in the industry. Actually, I was just looking at those odds, and I saw some interesting got? lines. So, uh, first of all, I forgot that there are Saturday games this week. Yeah,
1: there's which, still, is there two of them. There's two of them, right? There's right. two of them.
0: So, Thursday, we have the, the Chargers. The Raiders are up uh, favored by three and a half over the Chargers. Then on Saturday, we have the Bills are favored by seven at Denver. I don't know. I mean, the Bills are good, but going at Denver there, the way Drew Locke's playing. And then the, the Panthers are going to Green Bay and the Packers are favored by 10. Yeah. I feel like I feel like a letdown game out of the pattern. Knowing Aaron Rodgers and those guys, a letdown <laughs> game's coming. I think that's yeah. going to be close. And I think the Bills will have a letdown game, also. But, anyways, uh, there are always more options to wager than anywhere online at Bet Online. Head to Bet Online online today and take advantage of all the great midseason bonuses, offers, contests. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts.
1: All right, so this question about Cam that I have, yeah, I talked about this over the weekend on EEI. So why is he playing? I think we're at the point where a lot of people are saying Stidham, 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 and I do wonder why is he playing. And Greg, the question I asked on EEI is why do you think Belichick is so protective of Cam? Like with the media. Now, I threw a couple of possibilities because we don't don't know what it is. But Mm -hmm. I threw a couple of hypotheticals out there. The first hypothetical I threw out there was Cam's not well physically. And Bill knows it. Bill knows that Cam is going out there. He's fighting something. The abdomen injury, again, what Jay Glazer said, behind closed doors, Belichick knows that cam is in some tough shape and this dude is just trying to get through games, giving his team a chance to win. And especially on Thursday, he's getting murdered by that defense because the offensive line did not play well. And terrible
0: protection in that game.
1: So he's taking hit after hit, after hit, after hit and Belichick knows what he's going through just to get out there in the first place. And so when Belichick is asked a question about cam, he's going to get a little over defensive and protective because he knows that cam is really banged up and he does not have the things around him that would make him better. That that's one guess. The second guess is that Belichick is protecting cam to protect Jared Stidham. If that makes sense, because Belichick knows Stidham is not there yet. And as bad as cam looks, Bill still wants to protect Stidham and give him more time because ultimately he believes in Stidham down the road, or he knows Stidham's not the answer, and he's just got to get to this off season.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, this is the same question that you know by the end of the game on Sunday night, I was asking myself, and it's you know what I wrote my column on, off of the game, and you know, I, I, the short answer is I don't know. And like you, I have a there are a couple different theories. It has to be one of these. Uh, Belichick will not give up on Cam Newton, whether it's some sort of agreement that they had with his contract, like Cam says, look. I could sit on the sidelines and wait for an injury uh, f- from someplace else, like maybe Dallas with Dak Prescott this year um, or what have you. It, but, you know, Bill, I I want to come play for you. Uh, I think it would really be good for both of us. Like, I'll take this deal. I'll pass up possible other options in season or in training camp or whatever. Um But, you know, you got to promise me that, like, you know, I'm the starter and I'll be the starter this year. Like, you're not going to, don't make me take this contract and then embarrass me later on and bench me for some scrub named Jarrett Stidham. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that could be part of it. I do think the contract is part of it, though. I think that, I think that Belichick, based on some of his comments uh, to EEI uh, about, you know, the salary cap and look what we paid Newton, blah, blah, blah. Um, I think there's some residual guilt there. Also, Cam has certain playing time. Most of his money's as we talked about before, most of his money's wrapped up in playing time incentives. Yeah. And uh if if all of a sudden Belichick puts him on the bench, now he's doubly screwing him. And that that would not go over well in the locker room. Other players around the league. Cam could badmouth Belichick to other players. I think that's part of the deal. I think that uh that another possibility is Belichick just, and I think this is really, to me, this is what it is. Belichick knows what he has in Stidham. He doesn't know that it's better. Um, He knows that this team has a certain way to play, which is running the ball, play good defense, don't turn the ball over. And he has more confidence that they can play that way. He's seen it. They've done it at times this year where they can win that way, you know, because I think it's important. One of the things, and I put this in my column uh, the other day is, uh, you know, when the Patriots' AFC East reign ended, uh, which ended their tremendous streak of, of first-place finishes, Belichick is – I didn't know – I didn't realize this. Belichick is one season behind, so this season, of tying Tom Landry for most consecutive winning seasons by a coach. Hmm. Uh He stands one – I think Landry's at 12 – uh 20. And – hang on, let me – yeah, I think it's 20. And I think Belichick's at 19. And so I think it all goes to basically the bottom line is until they're officially eliminated from play, Belichick is going to put the best team out there. He wants to win. He wants to go nine and seven. He doesn't want to go eight and eight, whether that's about Landry or that record or what it is. I don't know, but I just don't think Belichick is a good loser. He doesn't want to lose. I'm not a loser. I haven't lost in 20 years, so he doesn't want to start now. And he thinks that Jared Stidham might lend the Patriots to losing.
1: All right. So the next question is because on our rundown, you have the Patriots and how they've fallen dramatically behind the bills on offense. And you say with little in the pipeline, here's my question to you. And it's again, it's something I did ask over the weekend because I, I think it's a crucial question. You know, do you have trust in Belichick that he can rebuild this roster this off season? because we've talked about this, Greg, they have the opportunity. I mean, I don't know how many people saw this last week, but there was a report from Florio at Pro Football Talk that the NFL is actually somewhat optimistic as far as the cap, and the cap might not take that significant $25 to $30 million hit that we've been talking about. It might be a little less than that, and if that's the case, that means the Patriots will have even more cap space. That They could be in a position where you could see them have 80 to $90 million in cap space and they have a bunch of draft capital thanks to the compensatory picks. And again, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. So their pick will be better than in past years. They have the resources to rebuild this thing. Do you still trust Belichick? And do you think he will be much more aggressive than we've ever seen him be because of what happened this year? And because he knows he's going to try to rebuild this puppy.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's no question that he has to be. The, the million dollar question is, will he be? And, and a, a flip side to sort of that cap argument is um, the Patriots. Actually, if you're rooting for the Patriots, you want as many cap restrictions yeah. as possible. Yep. You want the cap as low as it can go. Because you want more, it at 100s.
1: Yeah. More teams are going to be able to keep their guys instead of feeling super tight. Exactly. Yeah. yeah.
0: Exactly. Because I think, I think actually, if, if it's the bargain bargain basement salary cap at like say one seventy six instead of say one ninety six, uh, then a lot of other teams around the league can't re sign guys. They have to cut guys. All of a sudden, now you're looking at Belichick's wheelhouse, where he's picking the best sort of mid level uh, free agents, cheaper free agents who are looking for one a place for one year while the cap gets right to go and play. That's Belichick's wheelhouse. So if all of a sudden the cap is 200 million, a lot of, you know, good players are not on the street. The, the cost for players stays up, um, all that stuff. So, but do I think the Patriots are going to do this? And look, they, they have, I mean, they have to, I mean, Belichick has to realize like, boy, we suck. I mean, would they do and offensively and he better spend it on offense. Like if he spends it on defense again, I'm gonna I'm gonna lose my stuff. Like, <laughs> like stop with the defense. Like even listen to Nick Saban, who said the days of winning the in the college football game with good defense are over. That's yep. coming to the NFL. It's coming. Yep. Like you better stock up an offense. Like you need the Patriots have to go out at the well. First of all, they need a quarterback. Like what are they doing at quarterback? That's number one. So that's gonna be a big chunk of change because say they go and get Matt Stafford. That's I think 25 million. Um, they can arrange his contract, whatever way, what have you, but safe to say that a big chunk of change is going to be at quarterback. Then they have to go out and get a number one wide receiver. Like they have to go out and get somebody who can play. Yep. That's going to be another 25 million. Then they have to go out and they have to get a good tight end. And that's probably run you 10 or 15. So, you know, that's a lot of what you have, but they, they, Nick, my short answer is they have to. Like, they cannot – they are so bad right now. Like, in in the rankings that I did in the AFC East, they are the worst. At wide receiver number one, wide receiver number two, tight end, and tight end number two. I mean, they are the worst in the division, even worse than the Jets at those places. So they have to go out. They have to get a lot better. Look at the impact that Stephon Diggs has had. Like, if everybody who – is fawning over Josh Allen. Just remember what this this offense looked like last year, you know, without without uh, Stefan Diggs. Yep. And what he's done in terms of dictating coverage and all this stuff. And now Cole Beasley stays healthy. Like they need to go and get somebody who the defense fears. And they haven't had that guy in years. And it drove Brady out of town. It made Brady want to leave. It made him look average on the field. It made Cam Newton look average on the field. And whatever you do a quarterback is not going to matter unless you upgrade the weapons because that guy's going to look average too. So my short answer is they better do something.
1: Along with upgrading, I don't want to just look at just, you know, talent is most important. But the thing that the Patriots need to address, and they've needed to address this for years, is speed, is explosion. Yep. It, listen, I think Damir Bird's fine as a three. I, I am yep. not going. I'm not going to quit on Nikhil Harry. I'm not telling you he's a one, but I think that they have handled him the wrong way. I don't think they've trusted him enough. I don't think they've. You saw what happened this past you know game when when they throw down the sidelines and they allow that guy to try to make a contested catch, and he makes the contested catch. Uh, I also thought that the refs missed a holding call. Uh, that, that might have actually resulted in a Harry touchdown. He blew guy by whoever it was on the line of scrimmage, ran a great route, was open down the sidelines. Uh, Cam misfired. Uh, Harry was held a little bit on the shoulder pad, whatever. But, I mean, I, I think that you saw at least a, a little bit of a step on Thursday, and I still think Harry could be a decent two. And that's not what you're looking for from a first-round pick, but, hey, I'll take what I can get. But they do need a solid stud of a number-one receiver. And they need a tight end, but they need speed, Greg. And when you watch the offenses across the league, that's what jumps out to you. Whether it's the Rams, whether it's the Chiefs, yeah. what you know, that's what offenses have. They have two or three guys that can beat you with speed. And and you look at what Kansas City did, you know, that was it, man. I mean, they have Tyreek Hill, who has all the speed in the world. That that run that he had for the touchdown on Sunday, I have no idea how he stayed in bounds. And he, it looked like he was running 95 miles an hour. It's insane. So, But they still draft Hardman. And they still draft Edwards-Alaire. And yep. they still have Kelsey. So it's not just one guy. It's No, we're going to beat you with speed. And I feel the same thing about the Patriots defense. Like, how long? And, and maybe Uche will end up growing into that guy who is the athlete, can go a little sideline to sideline. But how long have we been begging for that kind of really fun athlete? And maybe it's Duggar, too but they have to have more guys like that. They've got to have more speed guys, more explosive guys. And I don't know, it might take Belichick to move away from his big bodied bully ball kind of football and to evolve a little bit here and say, okay, even at 68 years old, I see what's happening in the game. I've got to improve not only, you know, the, the, the number one here in the, in the talent, but I also have to get this team to be faster because if, if you're not fast enough, you're going to have a tough time competing. So I think that's another part of this team they've got to address in the off season, is they've got to add that speed uh, element on both sides of the football.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think they made a step in the direction this year with you know Duggar and and Uche and I agree. but you no, know, you're right. I mean, I think on both sides. Of the ball, and I think I think it takes Belichick, and and you have to question whether he can do it at his age. And again, this sort of goes back to something we've talked about before, where Belichick is starting to remind me of Shula at the end of Shula's coaching career, where Shula was still looking for players from the seventies and the eighties, in the nineties, and <clears throat> it really wasn't working for anybody. It wasn't working offensively. It wasn't working for the defense. Took Jimmy Johnson coming in. And, you know, really looking for speed and doing what he did in Dallas again in Miami. And I just don't know if Belichick's capable of that. I mean, at 68 years old, to change everything you believed in football-wise for the previous, you know, what have you, 40 years or what have you, in a couple years, that's hard to ask. I mean, he's yeah. used to looking. I know I know a football player when I see it. Well, the football player that was great in the early 2000s is no longer great in the 2020s, and you know, but I do think you're right. I think you know, it's a speed game every year. The, the offense gets more and more spread out. It's just it's 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 flag football on grass, it's basketball on grass. And the Patriots have been slow to adjust, and that's part of the reason why they're in this mess right now. Which is after last night and the Ravens knocking off the Browns. We can almost decidedly say we're just waiting for a few precincts to report, (laughs) but that the Patriots will not be going to the postseason this year. And this this didn't need to happen; it didn't. And uh, you know, I'm sure that's something that we can get in uh, probably on Thursday's pod.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think it's you know, I thought it was unlikely uh, from when they fell to what was it, five and six? You know, whatever it was, they had a chance to get to five and five, then they got to six and six. But it was going to be a very tough road, and I think it's a pretty much impossible road uh, to, to get through. It, there's, there's like a 3% chance, but I just don't see it happening. And, you know, one more thing before we get to the question of the day, as far as Belichick and, and what he's going to do this offseason, if you are aging yourself out of the game like you're saying Shula did, the one thing that could save you for a couple of years is delegating a little bit more in listening yep. to people in the room and in, in giving some other people uh, the ability. We saw it with Ozzie Newsome, with Eric DaCosta, where he, he you know, he understood that he was getting a little long in the tooth and he said, okay, now it's time to kind of bring this guy along. He gave him a little yep. bit more responsibility, a little bit more, and then eventually, okay, I'm going to still keep a role above you somewhat. I'm going to lurk around as a consultant or whatever the hell they call him, but you're going to be the guy that makes these decisions. And, you know, that's the other issue, I think, is that not only is Belichick getting older like we all do, but according to things that you've said on this podcast, he is still unwilling to, yep. you know, let the the grip go a little bit and say, I'm going to trust you, Nick Casario, to tell mm-hmm. me which guy is the best guy to take. And you know what? I'm actually going to take that damn guy instead of the guy that I want. And so yep. if he was willing to do that, you'd feel a little bit better. So there's a lot of things in this off season that have to
0: happen. It's going to be fascinating to watch. Nick, I agree with you. I think, I think this should be an off season where Belichick sort of looks at it and be like, look, you know, and look, Belichick's great at this. He's honest about what he puts out there on film. What's there. I think some of the, the, the downness that we've heard from him after games have reflected this is that Belichick realizes we're not very good. Yeah. We're not very talented. If, if, the, if this Patriots team didn't have the Patriots coaches, what would, this team would be like it, it would be like the Jets. It would be like the Jaguars. That's how bad this team is. I mean, the offensive line's great and the secondary's great. So maybe not that far. But you're talking five and eleven type of team. I mean, really. But I think I think you're right. You're right. Belichick is serious about finishing with a flourish here at the end. I think he gives serious thought to talking to Nick Casario, if he really believes in him and being like, you know what, Nick, maybe I'm not seeing this the right way anymore. You tell me, all right, say you were GM tomorrow. What would you do? What would be your draft board? And and, and I might go in that direction this year a lot more than I have in the past, but you tell me, and it's got to come from Belichick. Trust me, Nick Casario is not walking into Bill Belichick's office and saying, Bill, we suck. You got us here. I'm going to get us out. I'm taking over the ship like Alexander Haig or something like that. Um, that. That is just never, ever, ever going to happen, so it's got to come from Belichick.
1: All right, let's get to the BostonSportsJournal.com member question of the day. Check us out over at BSJ11 cents a day on our annual plan. Uh, not only do you get top-notch analysis of all the Boston pro sports, but if you're a Patriots junkie, and we know that you are, uh, then a membership at BSJ gives you access to a ton of video analysis, Bedard does on the coach's film and direct access to him in weekly chats. Uh, hopefully, I pronounce this last name correctly, Jay Chalifor. I'm gonna go with Chalifor. Uh, with Illuminor and Haran being terrible and Illuminor an impending free agent, can we second guess Cutting Frohold?
0: <laughs> uh, this is what you get over BSJ. You know, we go, we go deep. We don't just second week, guess Eddie, deep into the, week. we don't just don't second guess starting lineup guys. We second guess uh, the, the uh, third string interior offensive line. <laughs> uh, look, I, I understand his sentiment. I just think it's misplaced. I think, you know, he's looking for any way to criticize Belichick and this is one of them. Look, do I love getting rid of for a hole? No. Uh, I wanted to see more from Yelda and I think he does have a future in this league, uh, but this is the wrong battle. Because uh, Illuminor and uh, Haran both play tackle, Fro guard slash center. Uh, so they are completely different positions. Uh, Haran is the. Bo- and second of all, Illuminor and Haran are not terrible. They're actually good football players. Uh, Illuminor, when he's motivated by impending free agency, he's a good football player. Other than that, I want to have nothing to do with him. So sayonara after the season. And, you know, Haran is probably your next tackle. Uh, supposing the the offseason goes how we think it's going to go, Tooney's going to move on. Uh, Awenu's going to be at left guard. Uh, Marcus Cannon's going to stay retired. Illuminor's going to leave in free agency, and Huron's going to be a right tackle next year. So uh, that's why those guys were kept. Um, that's that's why they're going to do it this way. And so, um, no, I, I do not think that Froholt can be second-guessed. At this time, even though I do find it interesting, that this came up when uh, I was just wondering, like, why the, hell, um, why the hell did the Patriots have to get rid of Kenny Moore in 2017 when this guy's become one of the better slot nickel cornerbacks in the league for the Colts, including his ridiculous interception this weekend? And I was like, oh, I forgot. They had to keep Jordan Richards in 2017. So, <laughs> there we are.
1: Ah! <laughs> Jordan Richards will never go away. He will never no. – Uh, I would also just say this one last thing about the O-line. Isaiah Wynn's got to stay healthy, man. Yes. And his incapability of staying healthy, which was a problem in college. Yep. uh, There's the offensive lineman, you know, comparable to the Malcolm Mitchell wide receiver pick uh, when, you know, there's some injury history there. And when Wynn's been out there, he's been good. Sometimes he's been very good and the drop-off from him is just it's significant, and, and you can see that play out, and we saw that play out against a very aggressive, fast, and good defensive front like the Rams. Uh, the Greg yeah. Bedard Patriots podcast brought to you by betonline.ag. Of course, it's with yours truly, Nick Cattles. Uh, coming up later in the week, we will preview the Dolphins-Patriots game coming up on Sunday, and of course, any news that might happen from now until then. Until then, be safe, be healthy, be good, and we'll talk to you later this week.